We wish to thank the Atlantic Refining Company, sponsors of the Yale-Columbia football game, for delaying their broadcast time until the conclusion of this World Series game. We take you now to the Municipal Stadium in Cleveland. Look sharp, feel sharp, be sharp. Use Gillette Blue Blades with the sharpest edges ever honed. Gillette's cavalcade of sports is on the air. From Municipal Stadium in Cleveland, Ohio, Gillette presents the exclusive play-by-play report of the fourth game of the 1948 World Series between the Boston Braves and the Cleveland Indians. Good afternoon, baseball fans everywhere. This is Jim Britt with Mel Allen, Greeting you for the Gillette Safety Razor Company. For the tops in sports, tune in Gillette's cavalcade of sports the year around. Over various networks, Gillette airs events of national interest as they occur throughout the sports calendar. Also, every Friday night, Gillette broadcasts the major boxing event of the week for fans coast to coast. Johnny Sane and Steve Gromek, two right-handers, one from Belleville, Arkansas, the other from Detroit, Michigan will face each other today in the fourth game of the World Series of 1948. With Cleveland leading two games to one on the strength of consecutive pitching performances by Bob Lemon and Gene Bearden, Billy Southworth had no other choice but his ace. Gromek, not one of the Indians' three front-line hurlers, has won nine regular season games. In some quarters hereabouts, Southpaw Sam Zoldak was favored for the Indians' starting role today. But since the bulk of Boston's batting strength is believed to be right-handed, Gromek was a logical choice. Here in Cleveland, on the shorefront of Lake Erie, the same brand of baseball fever that attended the Indians' first 1920 victory over Brooklyn is again in evidence. The sports pages, the radio loudspeakers, have carried messages of optimism ever since Gene Bearden's five-hit shutout of yesterday. The Braves are quiet, a little on the grim side but confident that Johnny Sane has what it takes to turn the tide. One brave, pitcher Red Barrett, who has relieved on successive days, stopped me in the hotel coffee shop this morning. Red pointed somewhat scornfully to a Cleveland headline, which characterized the Braves as Humpty Dumpty hitters. Humpty Dumpty, he snorted. Cleveland's team batting average for the series so far is 167, and ours is 166. Actually, while some of the observers declare that both teams are in one of the most dismal batting slumps of modern World Series history, it's just as logical to conclude that the pitching is responsible. In 26 innings, the Indians have collected only 17 hits. In the same number of frames, the Braves have banged out 15. A total of 32 hits, only five of them for extra bases, in 52 opportunities for the rival clubs. And the old-timers ask, old-timers like Cy Young, who is here, how long has it been since none of the first three World Series games produced either a three-base hit or a home run? Pitching, they insist, and who can doubt it? One oddity of the series is that yesterday's crowd was not capacity. And at game time, some of the citizens who doubtless classed the purchases of World Series tickets as a solid investment were disposing of them, and good locations, too, they were, for as little as 50 cents. Today's crowd is a bigger one. Tomorrow's is likely to be largest of all. Few cities have been as baseball mad as this one. 
And no city in the history of baseball has ever seen such huge attendances as Cleveland in a single season, this season. It's a fine park, but the battle cry of the Indians is still, the series won't go back to Boston. Notwithstanding that, the Brave Specials are scheduled to leave here tomorrow night for the hub at 6 o'clock with a 6th and possibly a 7th series game in mind. The top batting star of the series has been Larry Doby, the Indian center fielder. He comes from Norwalk, Ohio. He has collected four hits in 11 trips for an average of 364. The only other Clevelander who tops the 300 mark is pitcher Gene Bearden. His single and double yesterday put him atop all the players with a mark of 667. Mike McCormick, the Braves' center and left fielder, is the top Boston batter to date. His three hits in 10 trips average an even 300. But most of his teammates are far below him. Only Eddie Stanky with two out of seven is close. The accent, as noted earlier, has been on pitching. The pitching has been brilliant. Defensively, in addition to the pitching, Cleveland has a wide edge. The Indians have made only one misplay. The Braves have made six, all of them in the infield. One of them got Bickford into trouble yesterday, set the stage for the Cleveland first run. But Bearden, who has yielded only one earned run through his last 38 innings on the mound, would have chalked up a one-to-nothing triumph even without the aid of that third-inning miscue. The Braves' relief pitching has been superb. Three hits in nine and a third innings. That's par for any course in the relief department. As for the Indians, all three pitchers, Bob Feller, Bob Lemon, Gene Bearden, have gone the route. Percentage, insists Billy Southworth, is against Steve Gromek's finishing. But in a short series such as a World Series, percentage has off time, failed to assert itself. Eleven of the Braves have struck out so far, ten of the Indians. Six of the Braves have reached first base on bases on balls, and seven of the Clevelanders have done so. And as noted earlier, the Indians have chalked up four double plays to the Braves, too. The condition of the outfield today is extremely poor. Cleveland was belted all of last night by a driving rain. It's quite muddy on the outskirts of the left field and right field foul lines, and in conversations with the Cleveland outfielders, men like Dale Mitchell, Allie Clark, Larry Doby, Walt Judnick, they informed me that the outfield was tricky, treacherous, slippery, and that before the day ended, if any hard runs and fast starts and stops were required for fielding purposes, we were quite likely to see someone go down. Out in center field, the Marine color guard and the band are massed below the flagpole to the left, and very shortly we will have the flag-raising ceremonies. Incidentally, Larry Doby was high in his praise of Hal Newhauser, the Detroit left-hander. I asked him about the batting background here at Cleveland Municipal Stadium, and he complained about the shadows, pointing out that when a fastball left-hander, especially like Hal Newhauser, throws the ball out of the sunlight into the shadows, it's extremely difficult to watch him. I'll give you the batting orders with a word of explanation. Bill Salkeld, the Boston catcher, injured a groin muscle and probably will not be able to play through the series' remaining games. Here's the way the two teams will take the field. For Boston, Holmes, right field. Dark, shortstop. Torgerson, first base. Elliott, third base. Left field. Rickert, left field. Mike McCormick, 
center field. Center field. Macy will catch. Stanky, second base. And the pitcher will be right-handed John Sane, whose season's record included 24 victories and who won a one nothing shutout in the series opener against Bob Feller. He's a right-hander. For the Cleveland Indians, Mitchell, left field. Doby, center field. Boudreau will be at shortstop. Gordon, second base. Keltner, third base. Chudnik, right field. Robinson, first base. Hegan, the catcher. And the pitcher, right-hander Steve Gromek of Detroit, Michigan, with a record of nine victories, three defeats. This, by the way, will be his first mound appearance since the 19th of September when he made his last start and hurled a 2-0 shutout over the Philadelphia A's. A big victory, that, since on that day, Philadelphia dropped two to Cleveland while the Red Sox were twice going down to defeat at Briggs Stadium in Detroit. The umpires will be Bill Grieve of the American League at the plate, George Barr of the National League at first base, Bill Summers of the American League will be at second base, Bill Stewart of the National League will be at third base, Babe Pinelli of the National League will be the left field foul judge, Joe Paparella will be the right field foul judge. The Cleveland crowd is on Bill Stewart because of the fact that he has figured in two close plays, both of which he unhesitatingly called against the Indians. Steve Gromack has finished his warm-up. Johnny Sane has not as yet finished his. And now out in the center of the outfield, the pregame ceremonies are just about ready to get underway. There go the Clevelanders in their white home uniforms out on the field. Jim Hagan, a tall, rangy, right-handed catcher and one of the great catchers of modern times, is waiting for Steve Gromack. The National Anthem.
set the scene and given you the starting batting orders with the Cleveland Indians leading two games to one in the World Series of 1948. This is Jim Britt turning you over to your play-by-play reporter of the first four and a half innings, Mel Allen. Hello there, everybody. Before we get going, let's pause ten seconds for station identification. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. For the World Series and other top sporting events the year-round, keep tuned to 710. This is WOR New York. Stephen Joseph Gromack, 28-year-old right-hander, born January the 15th, 1920, at Hamtramck, Michigan, which is a suburb of Detroit. Of Polish ancestry, entered pro ball as an infielder in 1939, and then after hurting his arm, became a pitcher. And he's out there today making his first World Series start, hoping to keep the Indians on the winning side, as they have been, following opening day. On the other hand, the Boston Braves hope to make hay today while the sun is shining here in Cleveland. They believe that they have more base hits in their respective uh, bats than they've indicated thus far. Tommy Holmes will be leading off. Tommy, a left-hand hitter. Steve Gromek, right-hand pitcher, all set. You've got Mitchell in left, Dobie in center, Judnick in right, Keltner third, Boudreaux short, Gordon second, Robinson first, Keegan catching. The umpires are waiting till the red-coated uh, bandsmen clear the playing field before we get underway. Holmes steps up with a World Series batting average of 0.83. He's had one hit in 12 times at bat. Steve Gromek, he looks in to get the sign, starts the wind-up, and the first pitch of the ball game. And it's inside for ball one. Billy Greve of Yonkers, New York, calling balls and strikes. George Barr of the National League, umpiring at first base. Bill Summers of the American League at second. Bill Stewart of the National League at third. Now the delivery. Holmes takes curve inside for ball two. Joe Paparella of the American League. The alternate American League umpire stationed down the right field foul line. And Babe Pinelli, National League alternate, is stationed down the left field foul line. Now the 2-0 pitch on its way. Tommy Holmes swings and lifts a high pop-up. Back of first. Joe Gordon goes out on the grass in short right. Coming in is Judnick under it, and he makes the catch for out number one. Tommy Holmes pops to Walter Judnick in short right field as the... Fourth World Series game gets underway. And now coming to bat is Al Dark, right-hand hitter. The brave shortstop having a World Series batting average of 167. He's had two out of 12. Outfield playing him about straight away. Kenny Kellner laying about six feet off the third baseline in comparatively close. Steve Gromek throws, and he gets it in there for a call strike. He's a sidearm pitcher, and he pitches uh, with somewhat of a stiff-arm motion. Joe Gordon shading second, a little more than first, with Ed Robinson, the first baseman, laying about 10 feet off the line. Now the pitch. It's swung on and missed by Al Dark for strike two as he tried to hit the right field. Pitch was toward the outside of the plate. Dark was in position and tried to hit to right. 
something that he practiced on quite a bit back in spring training and learned to do quite effectively during the season. Now the two-strike pitch on its way is swung on and fouled off behind the plate. Dark is still alive up there. The ball got away from Jimmy Hegan. Bill Southworth, Braves manager, coaching at third base. And Freddie Fitzsimmons is coaching at first base today. Billy has alternated Johnny Cooney and Freddie as first base coaches during the series. Gromek all set. In comes the pitch, and it's outside and gets away from Jimmy Hegan, low outside for a ball. No wild pitch, of course, there's nobody on base. Outfield playing dark, as we told you, just about straight away. Kenny Keltner with a count one and two on dark is backed up halfway at third. Gromek working fast is into the windup round, comes the arm to pitch, misses the outside corner for ball two. Two to the count. Gromek blows on his pitching hand. Hides the ball behind his back. Jimmy Egan in the crouch back to the plate gives the sign to the right-hander. Good crowd out here today. And now just as Gromek was ready to work, Dark stepped down to the batter's box. Earl Torgerson is on deck. Now Dark is back in hitting position. Gromek into the windup. Here's your pitch. It's swung on. Popped up in the air. Off to the left of the plate. Hegan goes over. Under and makes the catch. Right in the batter circle. The visiting team for out number two. Al Dark fouled out to Jim Hegan. Swung at what might have been a wrestler. Hit the ball on the handle of the bat and lifted a easy pop-up off to the left of the plate. With two down... Here's Earl Torgerson, left-handed hitting first baseman, who's had two out of six for the Braves, batting 333. He's appeared in two games for Boston. First pitch to him is swung on and missed. Strike one, he cut hard at curve. Kenny Keltner laying in close, almost on the edge of the infield grass, laying about eight feet off the line. Lou Bedrove over close to second base. Joe Gordon shading first just a little bit more than second. Robinson guarding the line. The pitch is in there for call strike two. The fastball over the heart of the plate about knee high. Earl Torgerson evidently was expecting some other kind of a pitch and pulled away from the plate. Gromek ahead of the hitter. No balls, two strikes, two outs, top of the first inning. And the next pitch. Swung on. There's a drive in the left center field. Doby racing for it. He cannot get it. It's fine and rolling to the wall. There goes Torkson rounding first. Digs for second. He's got two easy. He stumbles, rounding second, and has to go back to second base. There's Robinson going down to second to take a throw and a tag, but it's not in time. Torgerson is back in at second base with a double. And to recap that play, Earl Torgerson drove to left center. Larry Doby raced over, couldn't get the ball. It was by him and rolled to the wall. Torgerson had two bases easy. As he neared second, he took a look at Billy Southworth to see if Billy was going to wave him on for three. Billy evidently did because Earl rounded second but stumbled over the bag. Lou Boudreaux and Joe Gordon were out for relays. Nobody to cover second. And Eddie Robinson, the first baseman after Torgerson had stumbled, went racing over to second, took the throw, but Torgerson got back to the bag in time. So it's a double for Torgerson with two outs in the top half of the first inning. And that for the Boston Braves is their third double in the series. All the extra base hits in the series have been doubles. A total now of six extra base hits in the series. Three doubles by each team. 
You've got Bob Elliott, a right-hand hitter up. Two down, top of the first inning. The pitch, Elliott takes outside, ball one. Torgerson laced that ball beautifully. A good line drive into left center. Doby, who's very fast to foot, still couldn't get to it despite a tremendous effort. Outfield for Elliott. Step toward left. Here's your pitch. Elliott swings and pops it up into the air off to the right of the plate. Jimmy Hegan's getting under it. He's waiting now and makes the catch. So Elliott fouls out to Hegan, and the Braves fail to score. No runs, one hit, no errors for the Cleveland Indians, one left on for Boston. And at the end of the first half of the first inning, the score is nothing-nothing. Men, if all razor blades lived up to their maker's claims, nobody would have a shaving problem. As many of you have learned to your sorrow, however, words sometimes are one thing, performance another. But when I tell you that Gillette Blue Blades are the easiest shaving and longest lasting on earth, I know your experience will prove every word is true. Gillette Blue Blades have the sharpest edges ever honed. They're so sharp, so smoothly finished, and so easy shaving that you get the best-looking shaves, the quickest and most refreshing ever. Also, Gillette Blue Blades are double-edged for double economy. Buy Gillette Blue Blades, five for a quarter, or get a handy 20-blade Gillette dispenser for 98 cents. Look sharp, feel sharp, be sharp. Use Gillette Blue Blades with the sharpest edges ever Ready for the last half of the first inning. Dale Mitchell, Larry Doby, and Lou Boudreau will be coming to bat for the Cleveland Indians, and Johnny Sane, with but two days rest, takes the hill to try to keep the Braves in the World Series running. Dale Mitchell, a left-hand hitter, hitting at 0-8-3 on the series, one out of 12. Johnny Sane delivers a pitch, and it's in there for a call strike. They call Johnny Sane the man with the curves. He's got plenty of them. Bob Elliott laying in close at third in the event of a bunt by Mitchell, who likes to drop him down that way once in a while. Here's your pitch. Mitchell swings and lines one right back through the middle out of the second to center for a base hit. Ball fielded out there by Mike McCormick. He bobbles it momentarily. Mitchell, who took a wide turn, started to go to second. Then the relay comes in to Stanky. He misses it. But in the meantime, Mitchell had returned to first base. And Al Dark finally got the ball. So Mitchell singles clean in the center, right back through the middle. And that brings to the plate Larry Doby. Doby, who's had four out of 11, hitting at 364, currently the leading hitter in the series. Here's the pitch. Swung on, a ground ball is stopped beautifully by Torrance. He picks it up, puts the same for out out at first and a nice play. Going to second is Mitchell. And what a great play that was by Earl Torgerson as Doby's vicious bounder to the right of the first baseman was knocked down. The applause for Boudreaux. Torgerson knocked that ball down beautifully. Recovered, but was down on the ground and flipped to Johnny Sane, who ran over and took the throw just ahead of Doby for the out at first. Lou Boudreaux, right-hand hitter. Mitchell moved to second on the play. Sane delivers a pitch that swung on the hit down the first baseline. Drives first down the right field line. Mitchell rounds third, comes in to score. Boudreaux rounds first, takes for second. 
He's on his way to try for three. Dirk has the ball. Fires into Elliott. The tag. He's out at third base. single to center, advanced to second when Doby, Doby's bid for a base hit was converted into a putout on a very nice play by Torgerson and Sane. And then Boudreaux lined one inside the first baseline into right field. That was good for a double. He was out trying to stretch it into a triple. Holmes to Dark to Elliott. The play at third was very close, and incidentally, if you uh, keep a scorecard at home, it's scored nine to six to five. Right field of the shortstop of the third baseman. A run batted in for Boudreaux. The play was very close at third, and uh, Lou started arguing uh, very uh, viciously, you might say, vehemently with Bill Stewart. Of course, that's sort of a hangover from the first game of the World Series on that pickoff play in the eighth inning. Another close play, which you all recall, and which Stewart was the uh, umpire and made the decision. Called the runner safe, and that turned out to be the uh, winning run. Top of the second inning, Marv Rickard swings the first pitch, lines it to first baseman Eddie Robinson for the out. Rickard lines to Robinson on the first pitch for out number one. He almost had himself an extra base hit there. Now Mike McCormick steps in. Mike bats him right-handed. One to nothing, favor of Cleveland, top of the second inning. Outfield around toward the left. Steve Gromack, the right-hander, into the windup. Here's the pitch. And it's a curve that's outside for a ball. Bill Macy's on deck. Romek getting set. Here's his pitch to McCormick. Mike swings and misses. 
cut hard at a fastball, came over the outside corner about letter high. Mike McCormick, hitting in 300 in the series, he's had three out of ten. Finds the outfield, step toward left infield, shaded around toward third. Gromek throws, McCormick looks at a high inside pitch for ball two, two and one. Billy Southworth slaps his hands together, coaching there at third base. Gromek ready. And the 2-1 pitch. Swung on. There's a little fly ball hit into short left. Mitchell comes racing in, gets under it, makes the catch. And they're two down for the Boston Braves in the top of the second inning. Now you've got Phil Macy coming up. Right-hand hitter. Braves catcher. Has not yet had a hit in the series. He's been at bat four times, and he's uh, made an appearance in all three games. Been in there as a pinch runner. And, of course, caught yesterday's game. Macy, a 5-foot, 1075-pounder from Berwyn, Illinois. Looks at a pitch that's inside, very close to his chin. Ball one. Gromek isn't the kind of pitcher that'll overpower you. But he's cute. He's got an assortment of breaking stuff. And you've got to uh, be very careful when you're up there at the plate when Gromek is right. Now the right-hander delivers. Macy swings and lifts a high pop-up out into short left. Boudreaux goes out. Mitchell comes in. Lou says he has it and takes it. Boudreaux makes the catch in short left, and the Braves are out in order in the top of the second. No runs, no hits, no errors, nobody left on base. And at the end of an inning and a half, the score, Cleveland won, Boston nothing. Ready now for the last half of the second inning. One to nothing, favor the Cleveland Indians. It's Kenny Keltner. Leading off in the last the second for Cleveland, he'll be followed by Wally Judnick and then Eddie Robinson. Johnny Sane, the right-hander, throws a pitch that's inside, ball one. Johnny beat the Indians opening day at Boston, one to nothing. The Indians got a run on him in the first inning today. Now the right-hander delivers. Keltner takes curve over for a call strike, one and one. Johnny Sane. Big six foot two, two hundred pounder. Born in Pine Bluff, Arkansas. Lives in Belleville, Arkansas, right now. Big John delivers. Kenny Keltner swings and lines one to Al Dark, who comes up for the ball and handcuffs him. There's the throw to first, and it's in time for the out. Nice play by Dark. That ball was well tagged. It was a low, mean liner that hit the dirt right at his feet, bounced right up into his midsection. It almost handcuffed him. But he held on to the ball and then fired to first to retire Keltner by stride, by a stride. One away in the last half of the second inning. And here's Wally Judnick. Judnick bats him left-handed. Johnny Singh delivers. Fastball is high outside. Ball one. Judnick hasn't uh, had a hit in the World Series. Kenny Keltner had had one out of 11. Here's your pitch, and it's over the inside corner. Beautiful curve. Back Judnick away from there, but the ball got the corner, and the count is one and one. It's one to nothing, Cleveland, last half of the second inning. Sane throws, working fast, a pitch that's cut on, foul back to the screen. Count is one ball, two strikes. 
series has not been noted for any robust hitting yet. It's been predominantly a pitcher's series thus far, and a series that has been devoid comparatively of any tremendous excitement. Judnick swings and rams one down the first baseline, grabbed by Torgerson, who runs to the bag and outlegs Judnick for out number two. That ball was well hit. And there have been a lot of balls well hit so far today, but right at uh, the players, and uh, Torgerson has uh, come up with a couple of good plays, particularly in the first inning on Doby smash. So with two down, up comes Eddie Robinson. Robinson, the left-hand hitter, from Paris, Texas, the pitch... Outside, ball one. Robinson has had two out of nine in the series, hitting at 222. One of the nicest fellas you'll ever want to meet. He's got a good smile and very little to say. Now the pitch to him is outside. Two balls, no strikes. He, he looks like he might make a good fullback on some college or pro team. Now the 2 nothing pitch. Curveball's inside, ball three. Three balls, no strikes. Robinson stands six foot two, weighs 205. Was born in Paris, Texas, and still lives in Paris, Texas. Now the pitch being taken is in there for a call strike. Three and one the count. Sane hasn't appeared to be quite as effective today as he was on opening day. The three one pitch. Swung on, lined out in the right field. It's in there for a base hit. Taking on two hops out there by Tommy Holmes, who whips his long throw into second to Al Dark. And Eddie Robinson holds it first after taking his turn with a line single to right. That's Robinson's third hit of the series. Jimmy Hegan, who's had two out of nine, hitting a 222, steps up. The boy from Lynn, Massachusetts. Outfield shifts around toward left. Jim doesn't hit too consistently, or hasn't yet learned how, but he hits a long ball and can be very dangerous in the clutch. There's a lob over to first base, not in time. Earl Torgerson, left-handed throwing first baseman, relays the ball back to Johnny Sane. John has the stretch. Robinson moves off first to pitch. Keegan swings and misses. Strike one. One to nothing to score, favor of Cleveland. Last half of the second inning. Fourth game of the series. The Indians are one up, having taken two out of the three games played thus far. Now the pitch, swung on, hit high into the air, pop up, down the third baseline. Elliott under it, so is Dark, and see who gets it. Dark. Dark made the catch in fair territory. The wind, and we were forced to look at the wind then. We hadn't given it much thought. Elliott went into foul territory, about 15 feet behind the bag at third. To get under the ball, and Al Dark had come over from short, and then suddenly Elliott started backing into fair territory, and when Dark caught the ball, he was on the grass, on the edge of the outfield grass, and about 10 feet in fair territory, and the flags on top of the stadium roof are now blowing uh, very hard, so that the wind is blowing around from left field out toward center. That would mean that uh, balls that might be hit down the left field line instead of curving foul might be uh, kept in fair territory. The Indians fail to score in the last of the second inning. They get one hit. No errors for the Braves and one left on for Cleveland. And the score at the end of two innings of play, Cleveland one, Boston nothing. 
going into the top of the third inning, it'll be Eddie Stanky, Johnny Sane, and then Tommy Holmes for the Boston Braves to see what they can do with the slants of Steve Gromack. Eddie Stanky, who now hails from Mobile, Alabama, steps up to the plate. He's a 5'8", 170-pounder, born in Philadelphia. He now resides in Mobile. Stands very deep in the batter's box, then close to the plate. First pitch to him, swung on. It's a long fly ball curving foul out of play and into the upper deck. Down by the line. Strike one, the count on Eddie. Stanky's had two out of seven in the series, hitting at 286. Outfield plays him toward right in center and right, but straight away in left, so that the big hole's in left center. Now the pitch. Stanky swings and hits it right into the spot I just told you about. And it's in there for a base hit. Dobie cuts the ball off beautifully and holds Stanky to a single as he whips a throw into Gordon at second. Stanky hit the ball right into that uh, big hole in left center. But he didn't have enough drive behind it to make it go on through for extra bases. Larry Doby took off after it very fast and was able to cut the ball off. Plus the fact that uh, Stanky's ankle injury has slowed him up considerably and his speed has been uh, noticeably reduced. That's the second hit off Gromek. Brings to the plate Johnny Sane. Indians are not looking for the bunt. The pitch is bunted down the first baseline, and the ball is picked up by Hegan, throws to Robinson in time for the out, moving Stanky to second. Despite the fact that the Indians were not looking for the bunt, and when I say not looking for it, I mean by that that the third baseman and first baseman were not charging the plate. Sane did bunt, and was out, Hegan, to Eddie Robinson. To sacrifice for Sane, moves Stanky to second. And brings to the plate Tommy Holmes. Holmes flying to right field in the first inning. One to nothing, favorite Cleveland, top of the third inning. Gromek has the stretch, checks his runner. Here's the pitch. And it's in there for a call strike to Tommy. Lou Boudreaux motions to Dale Mitchell in left. About something or other. It doesn't bring him in or send him out any. He just motions uh, to him. Now he motions uh, out to Wally Judnick. And he moves Doby over in the middle. There's the ball swung on, hit the third. Keltner up with it. Bluff Stanky back to second. Throws over to first to Robinson in time for the out. Holmes grounding out. Third to first. Stanky holds second. With two down, up comes Alvin Dark. Dark fouled out to Jimmy Heaton in the first inning. And the Braves still find themselves unable to crash through in the hitting department. Getting occasional hits, but they're not able to uh, bunch many of them for runs. Gromek throws. Dark uh, takes high outside now for ball one. Outfield almost straight away for Dark. Larry Doby's just a step into right center from being in a straightaway center position. Stanky moves off second base. Here's your pitch. Dark takes over the outside corner. Letter high for a call strike. One and one. Steve Gromek looks in, gets a sign from Jimmy Hegan. Kenny Keltner, halfway back at third, guarding the line. Lou Boudreau is in four or five steps at short. Over a little closer to second than the third. 
Joe Gordon very deep at second. And shading second a little more than first, with Eddie Robinson deep and about 10 feet off the first baseline. Now we're all set with the count. One ball, one strike. The stretch by Gromek looks back at second. The pitch, dark swings and fouls it off to the right of the plate, trying to hit the right field. And the ball is out of play. One ball, two strikes the count. Two down. Top of the third, one to nothing in favor of Cleveland. Cleveland got its one run in the first inning for you late tuners in. When Mitchell single went to second and infield out, scored on Lou Boudreaux's double into the right field corner. Gromek ready again. Eddie Stanky moves off second. Doesn't take too big a lead. Fearful of that pickoff. Here's your pitch. Swung on and it's popped up into the air. Into short right. Joe Gordon backtracks and makes the catch for the out in short right field. So the Braves fail to score. No runs. One hit. No errors for the Indians. One left on for Boston. And it's the second time in three innings that the Braves have had a runner as far as second base but unable to send him around. And at the end of two and a half innings of play, the score is Cleveland 1, Boston nothing. In the experience of Steve O'Neill, as you heard him say this afternoon, Gillette Blue Blades are the easiest shaving kind there is, and the new Gillette dispenser a great convenience. Take a page out of Steve's experience. Enjoy extra shaving comfort and convenience. Get a Gillette dispenser. With it, you change blades in a jiffy. One thrust of your thumb and zip. There's an unwrapped blade for any Gillette razor. It comes loaded with 20 Gillette blue blades, 40 shaving edges, and protects them perfectly. Edges don't even touch the dispenser when blades are being ejected. You pay nothing extra, just 98 cents, price of the blades alone. Look sharp, feel sharp, be sharp. Use Gillette blue blades with the sharpest edges ever honed. Yes, and for utmost convenience, get them in the new Gillette dispenser. Last half of the third inning, Steve Gromek leads off for Cleveland. He bats him left-handed. Johnny Sane throws. Gromek takes fastball over for a call strike. Right over the heart of the plate, about letter high. Bob Elliott, almost even with the bag, and about five feet off the third baseline. Johnny Sane ready. An overhand fastball is cut on, fouled off to the left of the plate. Might have been a curve. Two strikes the count now on Gromek. Steve's a six-foot, 280-pounder. Sane throws. Curveball. It stays high. One and two the count now. They don't play Gromek to pull. They shade him toward left. Johnny Sane delivers. Gromek takes now high for ball two. Two balls, two strikes. Last half, third inning. One to nothing, Cleveland. Now the delivery. Swung on and missed, strike three. Steve Gromek goes down, striking out to become the first strikeout victim of Johnny Sane. And we go now to the top of the order to pick up Dale Mitchell, who singled the center in the first inning and scored the first and thus far only run of the ball game a little while later on Lou Boudreaux's double into the right field corner. Johnny Sane ready to work on the left-hand batter. Throws. Fastball. It's high. Ball one. That was the seventh strikeout of the series for Johnny Sane. Struck out six opening day. 
Here's your pitch. Swung on and missed by Mitchell for a strike. He sort of held up a little bit, trying to time that curve. Then swung viciously, but missed it. He tried to pull it, too. Now, the outfield doesn't play Mitchell to pull too sharply. Here's your delivery. Mitchell swings and sends a little dribbler out towards short there as Elliott in front of Dark up with the ball. Close to first in time for the out on the close play. Mitchell grounding out Elliott to Torgerson. Little slow roller hit out towards short. But Elliott went over in front of Dark, scooped the ball up glove-handed, and made the play. Chances are, had Dark been allowed to handle the ball, Mitchell might have beaten it. With two down, up steps Larry Doby. Grounded out, Torgerson to Johnny Sane, who covered first in the first inning. Left-hand hitter. Johnny Sane delivers, sidearm fastball, swung on and missed. There's a foul tipped, and the ball bounced off the arm or leg, I believe, of Bill Macy. Anyway, it, it hurt him a little bit. He shakes, shakes it off, though, and he's all right. Strike one, the count on Doby. Blue Boudreaux is on deck. will hit next if Doby gets on. One to nothing, Cleveland, last half of the third inning. The stern-looking Johnny Sane ready. He's into the windup. Round comes the right arm, the pitch, an overhand fastball swung on. Hit high and deep in the right center field. The ball is going, going. It is gone. and in time for the out. One run for Cleveland. One hit. No errors for Boston. Nobody left on for the Indians. And at the end of three innings, Cleveland leads two to nothing. As we saw the first earn unfurling of a real power blast, Larry Dolby's homer over the right center field fence. And now we pause ten seconds for station identification. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. This is WOR New York, the mutual station that brings you the World Series and other top sports events the year round. Ready now for the top half of the fourth inning. It'll be Earl Torgerson, Bob Elliott, and Mark Rickard coming up for the Braves. The crowd, a huge crowd, perhaps the largest crowd of the series thus far, with a tremendous number of standees in behind the fence of the outfield, a little wire barrier that extends around the outfield. Should send this crowd up somewhere around 75 to 80,000 today. At any rate, they got a big wallop out of the first four-ply wallop of the World Series. And now here 
is the first pitch into Earl Torgerson. And it's just outside for ball one from Steve Gromack. The series had seen six extra base hits until Dobie got his homer. Three doubles for the Braves and three for the Indians. Now the delivery is swung on. It's a ground ball hit down the first baseline. Robinson boots it, picks it up, pitch to Gromack, covering in time for the out. One of those slow bounders. An easy chance that sometimes will give the infielders more trouble than a hard hit ball. Robinson booted it, momentarily recovered, and flipped the girl back in time to retire Torgerson. Torgerson had doubled in the first inning with two down. And now you've got Bob Elliott stepping in. Elliott fouled out to Hegan in the first inning. Right-hand batter. Cleveland, two. The Boston Braves, nothing. Top of the fourth inning. Ball game moving along quite rapidly. Steve Gromack into the windup round. Comes the right arm of the pitch. Elliott swings and sends a little roller down the third baseline. Keltner scoops it up near the bag. Throws over to first. In time for the out. As Eddie Robinson had to really stretch to receive that throw and in time to retire Bob Elliott. Another close play at first base. Two down and you've got Marv Rickard stepping up. Rickard lined out to Eddie Robinson at first base in the second inning. Left-hand batter. Hails from Tacoma, Washington. Gromek throws. A pitch is swung on. Line out in the center. Dolby comes fast. Can't get it. Takes it on one hop. Throws on into second. And Rickard is on at first with a line single to center for the Braves' third hit of the ball game. And for Rickard, it is his second hit of the series. He was called in at the last moment, as you know, as a replacement for Jeff Heath when Jeff broke his ankle. Jim Russell and Jeff Heath, both brave outfielders, out of action because of illness, with Jim in a Pittsburgh hospital listening into the series. Both of those boys would have given the Braves a little extra power that they might have been able to use to get advantage. And now you've got Mike McCormick up. He swings the first pitch. And hits it out to short to Budrow, who's up with it over to Gordon for the force out on Rickard second. And the Braves continue to find it impossible to bunch any base hits. No runs, one hit, no errors for the Indians. One left on for Boston. And at the end of three and a half innings, the score, Cleveland two, Boston nothing. Now, as some of you fans may recall... Gustavus Heinrich Schmelz, one-time pilot of the Cincinnati Reds, was the only major league manager who ever wore a full beard. Unless you're also the exception that proves my point, you'll go for the improved Gillette Super Speed Razor that permits instant blade changing. Believe me, it's the most convenient shaving instrument a man can use. This ultra-modern razor has a notched positioning bar for use with a handy Gillette Blue Blade dispenser. You just hook on a blade and it drops in place presto. No, you don't have to be a locksmith to make this combination work. Twist, the razor opens. Zip, it's loaded. Twist again, and you enjoy the slickest shaves ever. Ask for the improved Gillette Super Speed Razor with 10-blade dispenser. A regular $1.50 value for only a dollar. Joe Gordon leads off last of the fourth inning. 
swings at the first pitch, accidentally hits the grounder. Back to the mound. Taken by Sane. Flips over to Torgerson for out number one. Gordon tried to duck the pitch. It hit the handle of his bat and rolled easily out to the mound. Off to the right as we look out onto the playing field. And it was an easy chance for Sane, who flipped over to Torgerson for the putout. So there's one away for the Indians, last half of the fourth inning. And Kenny Keltner stepping up. The right-hand batter was tossed out by Al Dark in the second inning. Pull hitter, Johnny Sane sidearms him, and it's a swing and a miss by Kenny Keltner for strike one. Outfield around toward left. You got Rickard in left, Mike McCormick in center, Holmes in right. Elliott third, Dark short, Stanky second, Torgus in first. Macy catching. Sane pitching to Kenny Keltner, who takes outside and high. Ball one. One ball, one strike, one out. Two to nothing, Cleveland. Last half of the fourth inning of the fourth game of the 48 World Series. Johnny Sane delivers to Keltner, who swings and pops it up in the air, foul off to the left of the plate, and it's going to go out of play. The ball dropping in behind the Braves' dugout. Bob Elliott went chasing over for the ball, but couldn't get to it. And there's quite a scramble for the ball, and the fans got a big wallop out of it, as they always do. The ball dropped just in behind uh, Commissioner A.B. Chandler's box. Incidentally, the commissioner has his father with him, 79-year-old Mr. Chandler. And he's got just as hearty a handshake as his uh, son has. Now the pitch to Keltner is inside, moves him away from the plate. Ball two. Two balls, two strikes. Walter Judnick is on deck. There's one out last the fourth inning. Nobody on for Cleveland. They lead the Braves two to nothing. Johnny Sane throws, and the pitch is high inside to Keltner for ball three, three and two. Sane, so far at least, has indicated that the brief period of rest he's had between starts in this series has done him more harm than Billy Southworth had hoped. Sane pitched with two days rest a number of times down the stretch until Boston won the pennant and did it very effectively. His payoff pitch to Keltner swung on and popped up into the air down the third baseline. Elliott moves over into foul territory, makes the catch, and they're two away. Keltner fouls out to Elliott at third. Now here's Wally Judnick. Judnick grounded out to Earl Torgerson the second inning. Judnick, a left-hand batter. Johnny Sane comes in with sidearm fastball. It's inside. Ball one. Judnick is 6'2", 185-pounder from San Francisco. Sane throws. Judnick swings and misses. Strike one. One ball, one strike, two outs. Last half of the fourth inning. Two to nothing, Cleveland. Outfield round toward right. Play Judnick to pull. Tommy Holmes almost out of sight in right field. Sane delivers. Outside. Ball two. Two and one. Big John's got a big chew stuck off in the side of his big cheek. Kind of shifts it from side to side now and then. And his 2-1 pitch on its way. Judnick takes a curve low inside. Ball three. Three and one. Three balls. One strike. Sane just then indicated that he's somewhat disgusted with himself. Just to a slight degree. Now he throws, 
And the pitch is foul tipped at the plate. Strike two. You got a full count on Judd, Nick. Three and two. Three balls, two strikes, two outs. Nobody on last to fourth. Big John into the windup, the payoff pitch. Swung on and missed. Strike three. That's the second strikeout recorded by Sane in this game, his eighth of the series. The Indians out in order. No runs. No hits. No errors for the Braves. Nobody left off Cleveland. And at the end of four innings, which have taken some 40 minutes to play, the Indians lead by a score of two to nothing. Your four inning totals, Cleveland, two runs, four hits, no errors, one left on. The Braves, no runs, three hits, no errors, and three men left on. The Indians got their first run in the first inning for you late tuners in. When Mitchell single moved to second on an infield out and scored on Lou Boudreaux's double into the right field corner, which precipitated quite an argument as Lou attempted to make it a triple and was out at third on a close play, Holmes to Dark to Elliott. And it was Bill Stewart who again was cast in the role of having to call a very close play. And for the second time in the series, it happened to go against the Indians. And of course, Lou Boudreaux lost no time in, in arguing. The second run came in the third inning when with two down, Larry Doby hit the first and only home run of the series thus far, a towering crash over the right center field fence at the 380-foot mark. The Braves have had a couple of opportunities. Torgerson doubled in the first inning with two down. Stanky singled in the third, was sacrificed to second, but uh, couldn't get him around. Then with two outs in the fourth, Rickard singled, but he was forced at second by McCormick. Now Phil Macy leads off in the top of the fifth inning for the Boston Braves. Here's your pitch. Swung on, hit on the ground out to short on one hop to Lou Boudreaux. He's up with it over to first baseman Eddie Robinson, and Macy is out at first. When that ball left the bat, it looked uh, for a split second as if it might be going for a base hit. But Lou somehow has that uncanny knack of getting in front of balls. He was in front of that one and converted it into a putout. Now you have Eddie Stanky, who's had one of the three Braves hits, stepping up, single left in the third inning. Gromek throws, Stanky takes a curve that's over the outside corner for a call strike. Stanky's had three hits in the series thus far. Before the start of today's game, there had been only 32 hits in the series. In other words, in the three games that were played up until today, the Braves had had 15 hits and the Indians 17. The Indians had scored six runs and the Braves two. Nothing too explosive about that, as you can understand. Here's your pitch swung on. Ground ball out to short. Scooped up by Lou Boudreaux. There's a throw over to first in time for the out. So Stanky grounds out short to first. Two up and two down. And here's Johnny Sane walking up to the plate. It rained all night. Sun is out now, however. And there's uh, several spots in the outfield that are quite soggy. The infield is in excellent condition. Emil Bosard and his crew of groundkeepers, one of the best uh, organizations of its kind, the majors, got that infield in good shape. There's a pitch swung on, hit in the hole between first and second, out of the left field for a base hit by Johnny Sane. Up for the ball as Dale Mitchell whips his throw into Boudreaux at second. And Sane is on with a line single to left. The Johnny crashes a hit column. That's the fourth hit 
for the Braves. And like yesterday, though they didn't get too many hits, yet the hits that they did get were scattered. They weren't able to get more than one hit in any inning. You've got Tommy Holmes up now. He flying to right, grounded to third. He swings, lifts a high pop-up, going after that first pitch. It's back to first, Eddie Robinson there, and Gordon, and Gordon makes the catch and foul territory for the out. No runs for the Braves, one hit, no errors for Cleveland. One man left on for Boston. And at the end of four and one-half innings of play, the score, Cleveland two, Boston nothing. Talk about a clean-looking face. Man, listen to this. When you soften your whiskers with Gillette shaving cream and skim them off smooth as silk, you wind up with the cleanest face in the world. It's not only clean-looking and clean-feeling, but it's surgically clean. That's because Gillette shaving cream, both lather and brushless, now contain K34, the amazing new facial antiseptic that destroys from 85 to 99% of the harmful bacteria on your skin. Used consistently, it gives valuable and lasting protection. Odorless and colorless, K34 is the only non-irritating facial antiseptic known that remains fully effective when combined with shaving soap. So for extra shaving comfort plus the cleanest face a man can have, ask for Gillette Brushless or Gillette Lather, a quarter. Only Gillette Shaving Cream contains K34. And here's a man got plenty of that K34, Jim Britt. The first pitch into Eddie Robinson is inside for ball one. The score is 2-0 in favor of the Cleveland Indians in the last half of the fifth inning. Robinson single to right his last time at that. He swings and misses. Eddie is a big left-hander from Paris, Texas. He has a count of one and one. And in the series, he has three hits in ten trips for a batting average of 300. Incidentally, the Braves have failed to score now in their last 22 innings of play in this World Series. Sane delivers. And there's a slow roller to the right of the mound. Sane decides to let Torgerson field it, and nobody covers first. There's the first out-and-out medal lap for the series. Sane stood on the mound and watched Earl Torgerson pick up that ground ball about 25 feet inside the first baseline, and it goes for a hit because there was no one there to take a throw. So Robinson now has four hits and 11 trips. That's his second hit, Cleveland's fifth, and catcher Jim Hegan is up. Here's the pitch to him. He bunts one down the third baseline. Elliott feels it. There's a quick throw to Torgerson. It's a perfect sacrifice that moves Robinson to second base. Cleveland was quick to take advantage of the Braves' lapse. That is not technically an error, but substantially it is one. And it puts a runner on second base when Hegan forced Elliott to field a sacrifice, and Gromek is roundly applauded as he comes up. Steve used to be an infielder, and he escaped the contract of the Detroit Tigers. Somehow they overlooked him. He jokingly refers to the fact that they said he was too skinny at the time. He's pitching a great game of baseball. The first pitch is a call strike. Gromek struck out his last time at bat. The infield is in a little. Third baseman Bob Elliott is playing very close to third base. The shadows are halfway out on the diamond now as Sane takes his stretch. Here's the pitch. Foul ball right down in the batter's box. And the count is two strikes. The outfield is set to the left. 
Cleveland has a total of 22 hits in the series, and the Boston Braves have a total of 19. And as Mel told you, the only blow that is good for more bases than a double was Larry Doby's home run. Here's the pitch. A foul ball just down to our left into the crowd, and the count is still two strikes. One man out in the last half of the fifth inning. Johnny Sane hasn't had quite as much stuff as he had in the opener, and Cleveland has solved him to the tune of two runs. He delivers, and that one is a little high. One ball, two strikes the count, and again, big Bill Voizel is warming up for the Boston Braves. They've warmed him up two or three times. Bill McKechnie is the coach at third base. The coach at first base, as usual, is Mel Harder, the former great Cleveland pitcher. Sane takes a stretch. Robinson leads off second. Here it is. And there's a high pop fly, a foul ball down the third baseline. And Al Dark goes over fast and takes it. And then wheels to see that Robinson has no idea of moving up to third. Dark made a good running catch of a foul ball. Outside the left field line, between third base and the field boxes. And here's leadoff batter Dale Mitchell. Dale is from Norman, Oklahoma, the home of the University of Oklahoma. He scored the first Cleveland run in this game, has two hits in 14 trips. He started right off by upsetting Johnny Sane's delivery to the tune of a single right back through the middle. The outfield plays him to the left despite the fact he's a left-handed batter. The right side of the infield is deep. Sane takes his stretch. He pitches. High. A curveball for ball one. Unlike most major league pitchers, Sane uses his fastball as a waste pitch. His curveball is his stock and trade. So far, he has yielded two runs, five hits. He trails, nothing to two. He takes a stretch, delivers, and there's a ground ball back to the mound. Sane takes it. The throw to first is routine for the out. Despite the leadoff single, Mitchell goes out, and in the last half of the fifth inning, the Braves hold Cleveland to no runs, one hit, no errors, one runner left. And at the end of five innings of play, the score is Cleveland two, Boston Braves nothing. Most men enjoy a corking good scrap between top flight boxers. If you're one of them, tune in Gillette's Cavalcade of Sports for the major boxing event of the week every Friday night. Consult your daily newspaper for local time and station. Billy Southworth is going out to third base, and I notice now that Ken Keltner is delaying the start of the infield practice until he secures his sunglasses, because the sun now is almost directly above home plate, shining out toward left field. Cleveland has two runs, five hits. The Indians have played airtight ball, have left two men. So far in the series, they have outscored the Boston Braves eight to two. And the score in this, the fourth game of the series, with Steve Gromek dueling against Johnny Sane after Johnny had had but two days rest, is Cleveland 2, Boston nothing. Shortstop Al Dark is up with two hits and 14 trips in the series and none and two in this game. He fouled to the catcher and popped up to second. Here's the pitch. Outside, ball one. Dark has one double, one of the three Boston doubles. The pitch by Gromek, swing and a miss. He pulled the string and threw a slow curveball. And the count is one ball, one strike. 
Dark Hills from the Bayou region of Louisiana, Lake Charles. And that city honored him recently. He has been one of the rookie stars of 1948. Here's the pitch. And he misses a bunt. Strike two. One ball, two strikes. As Gromek threw a fast curveball toward the outside, third baseman Ken Keltner followed it in quickly as the bunt became apparent and Dark missed it cleanly. Billy Southworth is coaching at third base. And the first base coach is Freddie Fitzsimmons. Dark is first up in the first half of the sixth inning. Outside, the strikeout was just missed, and the count is two balls, two strikes. Umpire Bill Stewart goes out on the diamond, picks up a piece of paper, and the crowd, which has ridden him steadily ever since his decision on Boudreaux at third base early in the game, came out again. Here's the pitch. Foul ball in the batter's box. Beaten right down into the dirt. Jim Hegan recovered it after Dark had kicked it partway down the first baseline. And now Al knocks the dirt out of his spikes. Over in another booth just a little to the right, Van Patrick of Cleveland, Texas-born, by the way, along with Eddie Robinson, is working television with Red Barber. We're high just a little bit to the left of home plate, a perfect vantage point from which to bring you this word picture of Gillette's. Here's the pitch. There goes the drive to center field. Doby goes back for it, and he takes it. For an instant, it seemed the ball might sail over his head, but he was positioned slightly to the left of straightaway at about the 350-foot mark. Dark wasn't able to pull the ball. He hit it exactly where it was pitched on a line, and Dobie went back a few steps and took it high overhead. Earl Torgerson up. Torgerson doubled his first time at bat, and he could conceivably have had the first triple of the series, but he stumbled rounding second and had to go back. He has three out of eight. Ball one, a curveball inside. Gromek is not a particularly rugged-looking lad. His trouble, he explained, early in the game was the fact that he was too skinny. That's how Scout Wish Egan of the Detroit Tigers happened to overlook him. He pitches. Outside, ball two, two or nothing. And a little earlier in the ball game, you'll recall, he retired Torgerson when Torgie hit a hard ground ball to Robinson. And there was a minor collision at first base, and Steve seemed to be shaken up a bit. Two and nothing the count. Inside, a curveball that took him back, and it's three and nothing on Earl Torgerson. Gromek has no strikeout so far, nor has he walked anyone. He has scattered four hits. And it's interesting to note that three of the hits have come after two men were out. Here's the windup, the pitch. And that's right over. He threads the needle with a called strike, and the count is three and one. One man out of the sixth inning. Cleveland two, Boston Braves nothing. The Braves have gone through 22 and one-third scoreless innings in this World Series. Strike call, curveball, caught the inside corner, and the count is three and two. Torgerson is one of the Braves with the power to hit the ball out of the lot should Gromek commit the pitching mistake of putting it in where he prefers it. The outfield is set way to the right. The payoff pitch is coming up, and Gromek takes a full wind-up. He strides, delivers, foul tip. That thumped out of Jim Hegan's glove. Catchers and good catchers tell me that it is luck, pure luck, when a catcher catches a foul tip because the action is so swift that even his reflexes and his instinct can't get the mid in front of the ball. If the mid is there... The chance is it will be a strikeout. Otherwise, it's next to impossible. Three and two the count. Here's the pitch. And it's ball four as the pitch missed the inside corner. There's the first base on balls given by Gromek. 
And Earl Torgerson becomes the fifth Boston base runner. That brings up Bob Elliott with a 2-0 lead. Any manager who has ever taken a team against the Boston Braves will tell you that this is a dangerous situation since Elliott represents the tying run. And he drove in 100 runs in the National League this year and was last year's most valuable player. He has none and two in this game and two out of 12 in the series. Strike called. Elliott is a big Husky right-hander from San Diego whom the Boston Braves and their fans regard as one of the shrewdest trades the Braves ever made. They got him when Billy Herman went to Pittsburgh to manage. One strike to count. One out, Torgerson leading off first base. The pitch, and there goes a ground ball to Boudreau. Boudreau to Gordon. That's one. Gordon to first. Double play. play of the series, and it came at a time when the Indians could use it to best advantage. No runs for the Braves, no hits, no errors, one walk, none left. Cleveland leading 2-0 going into the last half of the sixth inning. The score is Cleveland 2, Boston nothing. Folks, when you see a ball game like this that's full of thrills, hear a radio show that gives you a big laugh, or read a book that packs a wallet, you like to tell your friends about it, don't you? Well, that's the way Eddie Dyer of the St. Louis Cardinals feels about his Gillette Super Speed Razor. Take over, Eddie, and tell the fans what you told me before the game. Okay, and hello, fans. I told Jim Britt that this new Gillette Razor beats anything I ever shaved with. It's the handiest razor and the easiest shaving in my experience. Many thanks, Eddie Dyer, and I'm sure the fans know you mean every word. Men, the Gillette Super Speed Razor, which includes a 10-blade Gillette dispenser, is a regular $1.50 value for only a dollar. Buy one and enjoy superlative shaving satisfaction. Larry Doby will lead off in the last of the sixth. He's a big left-hander. The first pitch inside, ball one. Doby continues to be the batting star of the series with five hits in 13 trips to the plate, an average of 385. He's driven in two runs, and he hit a home run in the third inning. The pitch, high, ball two, two and nothing. Those of you who are listening to this broadcast who have seen games in the nation's capital at Griffith Stadium may remember his home run of this year. Here it comes. Ball three, three and nothing. At Griffith Stadium, Doby hit one into the loudspeaking horns. One of the longest blows of modern times. Three and nothing the count. Johnny Sane gets set to pitch to him. And he catches the outside corner with a call strike, a curveball. The count, three and one. Bill Voisel is warming up for the Braves. Here's a three and one pitch. Swing and a miss. Sharp breaking curveball, and Doby missed it. Three balls, two strikes. Larry has a batting average in this series of 385. And he's been a very fine competitor. Here's the big one. There's a ground ball that goes by the mound. Stanky in fast, a quick throw. He's out at first. Earl Torgerson's foot was very nearly dragged off the bag because Stanky's quick sidearm throw on the dead run, it had to be fast with Doby running, was a little off. Doby made a motion toward his right shoulder as he went down. I thought for a moment that he might have injured himself, but he indicates no. One out, Boudreaux up. Lou doubled in the first run of the game for Cleveland. He has one out of two. He's a right-hander, and the first pitch is right over for a call strike. He was down in the crouch. Sane followed the ball in, thinking a bunt was coming. 
One man out in the last half of the sixth inning. Cleveland leading 2-0. Sane pitches, and there's a high fly ball to short center field. Coming in fast for it, McCormick is under it, and he takes it high overhead for the second out. Two men are out, and Cleveland's second baseman, the Gretton, comes up. Flash is his nickname. He has no hits in two trips. He grounded to short, and he grounded right back to the mound. Sane gets his sign. Johnny takes a full windup. He delivers, and he throws a strike. A sidearm crossfire pitch that caught the inside corner and found Gordon shrugging away from it. McKechnie and Harder are doing the coaching for the Indians at third and first. Sane is set with the next pitch. Here it is. Outside, a curveball. One ball, one strike. Very few pitchers in the game throw as many curveballs as Sane. He used that fastball as a teaser, a poor pitch, a waste pitch. Hopeful that the batters will try to go after it. Here it comes. There's a long fly ball just inside the line. Rickert is over near it. And he takes it in foul territory in left field by a couple of steps. So Gordon fouls out to left field. And that's the second time in the game that Sane has faced only three Indians in a half inning. No runs, no hits, no errors, and none left. That's the second inning, by the way, in which the Indians have failed to put a man on. At the end of six innings, Cleveland has two runs, five hits, no errors, two men left. The Braves have no runs, four hits, no errors, four men left. Now we pause ten seconds for station identification. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. Your dial is set at 710, the spot for sports all year round. Your World Series station, WOR, New York. This is Jim Britt back at Municipal Stadium in Cleveland, where the Boston Braves now have gone through 23 consecutive scoreless innings in this World Series. The Braves, so far, have gone through 32 innings and have registered only one earned run. The boys over in typewriter row here at Municipal Stadium will be digging into the record books. Marv Rickard, the Braves' left fielder, is up. He has one hit and two trips, and he hit the ball high both times. The pitch, outside, ball one. Third baseman Ken Keltner is playing in because of the prospect of a bunt by a left-hander. Boisell continues to warm up in the event of a rally, probably. The outfield is set to the right a bit. Steve Gromek pitches, and he throws one inside and slightly high. Two balls and no strikes. Gromek is an extremely likable lad. He went to St. Ladislaus High School, just outside Detroit, and lives there the year-round. Here's the pitch. There goes a long drive to right field, and that one may be troublesome. It's a home run for Rickard, and it's Cleveland 2, Boston 1. called up from Milwaukee to replace the injured Jeff Heath has broken in with a bang. So now it's Cleveland 2, Boston 1. There's warm-up activity starting in the Cleveland bullpen 
as Mike McCormick is up, a right-hander, and he fouls one right down at Jim Hegan's feet. Strike one. Kleiman and Christopher are warming up for the Cleveland Indians, both right-handers. One strike to count. There's a foul ball off to the right and out of play. Strike two. That dropped back of the Cleveland dugout. Down in the section where the red-hot Cleveland fans are, the players' wives, club executives, the official family. The hits are now even at five, but Cleveland leads two to one. The pitch... Outside, Dromek was shooting for a strikeout with a crossfire pitch, a curveball that broke wide. So the Braves have finally scored their first run in 23 innings. Actually, in the 24th. They went through 23 successive scoreless frames. Here's the pitch. There's a drive to left field, and it drops safely for a base hit. McCormick, single to left. As the Braves show signs of getting to Steve Dromek after six scoreless innings. That will bring up catcher Phil Macy. And Kleiman and Christopher continue to bear down for Cleveland. And Big Bill Voizel continues to bear down for the Boston Braves. Voizel many times has pitched against the Indians in exhibition games en route north at a time when he was one of the mainstays of the New York Giants staff. Some of the observers close to the Cleveland club insist that Bill has always been bothersome to the tribe. Mike McCormick is on first base. Bill Macy the batter. The Indians are looking for the sacrifice now. Strike called. Third baseman Ken Kelter is in fast, but he goes back. First baseman Eddie Robinson is holding Mike McCormick very close to the bag. Phil Macy has no hits in the series and six trips. The Braves trail Cleveland by a score of 1-2. to two. There have been two home runs in this game in contrast to the others. One by Larry Doby and one by Marv Rickert. Doby's in the third, Rickert's in the seventh. Cleveland leading 2-1. to one. No one out. Here's the pitch. And it was outside and low. Macy apparently had the bunt sign because he was set to sacrifice but decided to stay away from the pitch. One and one the count. Braves have five hits. Cleveland has five hits. And incidentally, the hits have been alike. Torgerson and Boudreaux have doubled, and Doby and Rickard have homered. Here's the pitch. There's the bunt. And it goes foul down the third baseline. It looked almost as though Macy got his thumb on that. He did. Macy got his thumb in the way of the ball. And it's on his throwing hand, too, by the way. The pitch was close and inside, and as he slid his hands along the bat, the ball struck him, and it struck the bat at the same time, and he now is shaking his right hand as though he is in some pain, and the Braves' trainer, Dr. Charles Lax, is being motioned to, and Billy Southworth is coming over to get in on the conversation. Freddie Fitzsimmons, the first base coach, is coming all the way in. The Braves would be in a tough situation if Macy were forced to withdraw and that is the story Macy will have to leave the ball game as he bunted the ball foul down the third baseline for the second strike and a count of one and two he got one or two of the fingers of his right hand in the way of the ball 
so that the pitch struck both his fingers and the bat. And now Bill Sawkeld has a bat. And Macy is taking the bat away from Sawkeld in an attempt to show Southworth whether or not he can swing freely. And Macy, I think, is going to stay in. He is. Sawkeld goes back to the dugout. Macy takes two bats and starts limbering up. And Billy Southworth apparently has decided that he will be all right. I mentioned that it would have hurt the Braves had he left the game because Sawkeld is suffering from an injured groin muscle. And that's the reason he isn't in this contest today with a Cleveland right-hander on the mound. One ball, two strikes the count. Mike McCormick is on first base. No one out for the Braves as they have scored. They trail one to two. The pitch. There goes a high infield pop-up out towards the mound. Ken Keltner is coming in for it. And Keltner takes it for the first out. Macy popped one up. He was able to swing, but not with his usual efficiency. And Eddie Stanky comes up. Macy kicked the rosin bag on his way back to the dugout. And Tommy Holmes, who will need it anyway, picked it up and carried it into the on-deck circle. Meantime, side-armer Russ Christopher and right-handed Ed Kleiman are warming up. Stanky has one hit and two trips. Bill Boisel is still warming up for the Braves. There's one out, and there goes a long drive towards left field. Mitchell is going back. He's there. He turns and takes it at the 350-foot mark, and McCormick has to sprint back to first base. Stanky tried to pull that one over toward the left field stands, and he did hit it deeply but not deeply enough for the sector in which it was drilled. Johnny Sane coming up. He's a good hitter for a pitcher. He has one hit in four trips. John sacrificed, and then he singled to left. There's a ground ball back to the mound. Gromek spears it, throws over to Eddie Robinson at first to retire the side. Two successive hits, a home run and a single. The Braves could come up with just one run, two hits, no errors, one runner left. And at the end of six and a half innings of play, the score is Cleveland two, Boston one. When a fellow goes all the way out, as Eddie Dyer of the St. Louis Cardinals did a while ago, and says the Gillette Super Speed Razor beats anything he's ever shaved with, you know it must have what it takes. Designed for use with the Gillette dispenser, this razor has a notched positioning bar. Zip out a blade, hook it in place, twist, and there you are. To clean, simply loosen the razor, rinse, shake, and put away. There's nothing to fit together, nothing to jam or claw. You change blades instantly and don't have to be a locksmith to do it. When Eddie Dyer says, I don't hesitate to recommend it to my best friends, meaning you fans, he isn't kidding. So take Eddie's advice. Buy a Gillette Super Speed Razor and enjoy modern shaving comfort and convenience. You get it, plus a 10-blade Gillette dispenser, a regular $1.50 value for only a dollar. Ken Kellner will lead off for Cleveland in the seventh inning with the Indians leading the Braves 2-1. to one. Sane throws the first one, and he swings and misses. A fast curveball. The Braves have out-hit the Indians in this series, so the two teams are now just one hit apart. They've out-hit the Indians in this game, so they're just one hit apart in this series. 
Keltner gets set. He's a big right-hander. And there's a fly ball that goes towards left center field. McCormick is under it. And then Rickard crosses in front and takes it as Mike goes down to one knee. They apparently were quite sure of their ground, but to the crowd it looked very much as though there might be some mix-up in signals. Rickard is wearing glasses, and McCormick, I think, was bothered somewhat by the sun. In other words, Rickard was able to make the catch, not looking directly into its rays. Walt Judnick, the right fielder up. No hits for him in two trips. He's a left-hander. There goes a long drive down the right field line, but it's a foul ball. That had all the home run length it needed. It curved into the right field stands in the lower deck, about 15 or 20 feet to the right of the 320-foot mark and the yellow foul pole with a screen attachment. One strike to count. Here it is. Curveball calls strike two. Two strikes. The Braves were blanked for 23 successive innings until they scored. Here's the pitch. Strike three called. That's the second strikeout for Judnick, and it's the ninth strikeout of the series for Sane. A fast curveball that broke right over, and there are two men out. Eddie Robinson has two hits in two trips, and he has four hits in 11 times at bat in this series for a batting average of 3-6-4. Only Dobie of the Indians tops him. He's a big left-handed hitting Texan. The first pitch, outside, ball one. Occasionally you hear a little roar of protest in the background. That's when Bill Stewart is picking up a piece of paper or something. There's a ground ball. It goes to Torgerson. Targerson flips to Sane. Sane steps on first to retire the side. That play was three to one. The crowd has been riding umpire Stewart ever since the series opened here in Cleveland because they probably heard Mel's and my report of two very close plays at Braves Field. One of them on a pickoff play at second base, the other on a play where he ruled Aldark safe at first, and it is just has fallen to Bill's lot to get the close ones. And he's had three of them so far in this series. Sometimes a player and an umpire, too, can go all the way through a World Series competition and never figure in a tough chance or a controversial decision. And the fact that all three of those decisions, at second, first, and third in that order, were against Cleveland, made Bill just a ripe target for their verbal abuse. Good-natured, of course, in some instances. So they've opened up on him a few times. Kennedy has just gone to right field for Cleveland in place of Judnick. That is the second time in the series that that move has been made. And incidentally, the last time, Kennedy drove in a run after he went in. Tommy Holmes will be up. Kennedy has a great throwing arm, and that switch was purely for defensive purposes. Romack pitches. High ball one. Some of the observers were a little skeptical of Gromack's ability to go the distance. He's not a particularly husky lad. He's won nine games, but he's come through brilliantly so far today. He's pitched good baseball. Held the Braves to one run. There goes a fly ball to center field. Dobie is going back after a late start, and he takes it. Nice catch. He got started a little slow. I think when he looked right up, he probably got the sun in his eyes, and he made the catch at about the 
foot mark. At Bray's field, that might have been up against the wall, and it looked, too, as though Doby slipped as he got started. One man on, and Al Dark, the shortstop, the batter. None and three for him. The outfield is very damp, soggy, and in some places, muddy. There's a high pop-up to the right of second. Lou Boudreau comes over, and Lou takes it. Joe Gordon called for it initially, but he's not wearing the sunglasses. Manager Lou Boudreau is, and he moved over just a little to the right of second base on the skin of the infield to take it. Two men out, and Earl Parkinson comes up. This is the eighth inning, and the Boston Braves are just four outs away from their third defeat of the World Series. Cleveland leading 2-1. to one. The pitch, swing and a miss. And you could tell, as could all of us, that Mr. Torgerson that time was trying to belt the ball out of the lot. He has a double in two trips today, and he has three out of eight so far in the series. The count on him is one strike. Keltner's playing in a little. Low and inside, one and one the count. The outfield has swung around to the right. Marv Rickard and Larry Doby, two left-handers, have hit the home runs today. And in either case, was there a man on? One and one the count. Swing and a miss. Curveball. It broke inside. And the count is one ball, two strikes. Torgerson is in the left-handed batter's box. Cleveland leading by a score of 2-1, to one, eighth inning. Gromek pitching very deliberately. Here's the windup, the pitch, curveball outside, and the count is 2-2. Two and two. He still has Torgerson in the hole. Bob Elliott is the on-deck batter. The plate umpire, Bill Grieve of the American League staff, has just again given the sign that it's two balls and two strikes. Here's the windup by Gromek. There goes a drive that goes off the glove of and it will be good for extra bases. Torgerson sprinting for second as Mitchell picks the ball up and makes no throw and then fires it in to Lou Boudreau, who is at third. That was a line drive similar to the one that won the ball game for the Braves in the first game off the bat of Tommy Holmes, and Keltner couldn't handle it. And it shot out into short left field. It didn't have too much force behind it. And it is Torgerson's second double of the ball game and his fourth hit of the series in nine times at bat. That brings up Bob Elliott. Elliott has two hits in 13 series trips. He has driven in one of the three runs scored by the Braves in the competition. The outfield is spread to the left. There's a high infield pop-up. It's being called for by Keltner. And Keltner and Hegan collided, and Hegan got it, and it all but dropped on the mound. Hegan held it. They wrestled for it an instant. Torgerson was all the way home. No runs. One hit, no errors, one left. And at the end of seven and a half innings of play, the score is Cleveland two, Boston one. When a team wins top place in any field of competition, you can bet your bottom dollar that superior performance is the reason for it. That, in a nutshell, explains why more men, millions more, shave with the Gillette Tech Razor and today's Gillette Blue Blade than with any other combination. 
One feature after another makes shaving easier, quicker, and far more comfortable. The Gillette Tech has a solid bar guard that sets up your stubble as a barber does. The blade is held rigidly, absolutely eliminating edge vibration. A non-skid tread protects you from nicks and cuts. Slotted construction is non-clogging. The Gillette Tech razor rinses instantly, and there's no need to remove the blade for cleaning. Men, at 49 cents, the Gillette Tech plus five easy shaving Gillette Blue Blades is an outstanding shaving bargain. Cleveland, coming up in the last half of the eighth inning. Cleveland has two runs, five hits. Boston has one run, seven hits. And the series hip total, incidentally, is even for the two clubs now. Jim Hegan, who has been brilliant on the defense, is the batter. He has no hits in one trip. He's a right-hander, and he hits a high fly ball to the infield. Eddie Stanky calling for it, just to the right of second base. He's under it. And Eddie takes it for the first out. When Jim Hegan went out on the mound to take Bob Elliott's pop-up out of the glove of Ken Kellner, the series had one of its more exciting moments because it looked for an instant as though that run might score and count. But Hegan very sure-fistedly held it. Steve Gromek gets a good round of applause as he comes up. He has not only pitched well, he's pitched courageously. He has no hits in two trips. He bats left-handed. Johnny Sane gets set. Here it comes. Ball one. Sane, of course, has turned in a great series performance. In 16 and a third innings, he's held Cleveland to just two runs. The pitch. Strike call. Good curve ball. And the count is one and one. Once more, the Braves will face the necessity of pulling it out of the ninth if they can. Here it comes. There's a slow roller that goes foul down the third baseline. Bill McKechnie gave the sign to hold up to Gromek. Bob Elliott fielded the ball on the count. Is one ball, two strikes. And all over typewriter row, you can hear the clatter of the keys as the leads are already in the process of being started. Leads that will go all over the world. The pitch. There's a slow roller out in front of the plate. It's picked up by Macy. A quick throw to first is in time. And Gromek is out Macy to Torgerson. Steve gave that one the old college try. He went down the first baseline just as hard and fast as his legs could carry him, and Stanky went over to back up the play. Lead-off batter Dale Mitchell comes up. And a run that he scored in the very first inning before Sane had an opportunity to settle down at all looms very important, and so does that home run of Dobie's in the third inning. Mitchell is a left-hander, and the first pitch is a call strike, a fast curveball. One strike to count. Sane has yielded a total of nine hits in the series, but he's had very little support at the plate. Here it comes. There's a drive that goes to the left of short. Gart steals it. There's the throw, and he is out with a great play. Both ends. Gart took the ball out behind second base, fired on the head run to Torgerson, and Torgerson, who played good baseball for the Braves, made a fine stretch. That's one of the best fielding plays of the ball game. Sane, incidentally, has now retired 12 straight Indians, but he trails 1-2. to two. No runs, no hits, no errors. None left for the Indians in the eighth inning. The eight inning totals, two runs, five hits, no errors for Cleveland. One run, seven hits, no errors for the Braves. 
Not many years ago, it was the lure of adventure that attracted young fellows to enlist in the armed forces. Today, it's different. Volunteers are looking for education, security, and opportunity. And getting them, too, along with physical comforts and training that make men. Yes, whether a young man today joins the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, the Marines, or the Coast Guard, he can be sure he's signing up with an outfit that's the finest of its kind, doing an important job to preserve peace in a troubled world. Johnny Sane, by the way, has allowed only one hit over the last five and one-third innings of this game. A notable performance, but he trails one to two. Here's Marv Rickard, who is the offensive star of the game for the Braves, with a single and a home run. He has a total of three hits and ten trips. He's a left-hander. Gromack pitches to him. Inside, ball one. And the sign has gone out to the bullpen. Bill Voisel starts warming up again, hopefully for the Boston Braves. Hopefully that he'll get a chance to face the Indians in the last half of the ninth inning. And Christopher and Kleiman are warming up. Here's the pitch. Inside, ball two. Kleiman is warming up. But Christopher is not warming up. It's Gene Bearden warming up for the Cleveland Indians. Christopher went over and sat down, but now he's up again, and there are three of them. Bearden, Christopher, and Kleiman. The pitch. There's a drive that goes foul down the right field line, and on that one, incidentally, Christopher went right down on his face to get out of the way of it. Bearden is a left-hander. Christopher and Kleiman are right-handers. And Bearden, as you know is one of the great pitchers of this series. Incidentally, Bearden took batting practice today. He's a good hitter. He got a double and a single in yesterday's game, and he's allowed just one run over 38 innings. One earned run. The count on Rickert, two and one. Here it comes. Foul ball back over our heads. Two balls, two strikes the count. Rickert's performance must have thrilled him and his friends because... As late as two weeks ago, he didn't figure to be in this series at all. He had finished the regular season with the Milwaukee club. The Braves bought him, applied for his eligibility as a replacement for the injured Jeff Heath, and the commissioner and the American League club approved it. Two balls, two strikes. Here it comes. Strike three. Fastball. Oh. And then Hegan threw it over Kelter's head out into left field. And incidentally, that's the first strikeout of the game for Gromack. And he saved it for the clutch. It was a fast curveball that sailed right over. Mike McCormick, the batter. And down in the on-deck circle, catcher Bill Salkel, the left-hander, is preparing to bat in place of Phil Macy. McCormick has one hit in three trips. He has four out of 13. Ball one inside. Just two outs. Separates Steve Gromek from Cleveland's third World Series victory and from the most important victory of his baseball career. One ball, no strikes. The outfield is set to the left. Here it comes. And that one knocked Mike down. That was very close to the chin, and he went right back down, lost his cap and his bat, and he has a good deal of Cleveland Municipal Stadium 
all over the back of him. He was unhurt, shaken a little. He's back up again. Self-preservation, that's what prompted him to hit the dirt that time as that curveball sailed, took off, right up next to the whiskers. Two balls, no strikes. One man out, ninth inning. The Braves trailing Cleveland, one to two. Larry Doby's home run, so far, is the margin of the lead. Here's the pitch. Strike call. That caught the inside corner. It was a clever pitch. After McCormick had had to hit the dirt, Gordon took advantage of an opportunity to sneak one over the inside. Two balls, one strike. Gromek bearing down hard in the clutch inning. He delivers, and there's a foul ball back into the screen. One or two of the scribes reached in vain for a souvenir of the series. The count is two balls, two strikes. Cleveland making a determined bid to keep the series from returning to Braves Field in Boston. He is on the verge of wrapping up its third victory. Unless the Braves can forestall it with a rally in the ninth. Two balls, two strikes. Here it comes. Strike three, call. Strikeout for Gromek through the first eight innings. And now both Rickard and Mike McCormick have looked at successive called third strikes. And Salkeld now comes up for Macy. Salkeld is the brave who seemed to have the Indian sign on the Indians in previous competition. It was a base on balls to him that set up the winning run in the first game. The game that Johnny Sane won. one nothing. Salkel is a left-hander from Los Angeles. Here's the pitch. Strike called. Fast curveball over the inside. Mr. Gromek is firing the ball a lot harder and faster and more deliberately in this half inning than in any so far. Time called for an instant. Salkel was trying to adjust his stance in the left-handed batter's box. Two men out. Outside, that curveball missed, and the count is one and one. One ball and one strike. Eddie Stanky is in the on-deck area, hopeful that he'll get a chance to bat in the Braves' ninth. Two men are out. Here it comes. Swing and a miss. Gromek fired a fast curveball that was down around the knees. And he is giving the crowd a great thrill in the ninth inning as all of Cleveland Stadium looks on. And today's crowd, by the way, will probably be in excess of 80,000. There are a good many thousand standees out in center field. The count, one ball, two strikes, a wind-up, the pitch, ball inside, two and two. This great crowd, with its roar, would be capable of describing to you just about what happens. Two balls, two strikes, Cleveland two, Boston Braves one, ninth inning, two men out. The disposition of the outfield is to the right. Everyone is poised, here it comes. There goes a long foul ball. That went into the right field lower stands. There was no question about its direction when it left the bat. It was pulled by about 75 feet to the right of the foul pole. The game today has produced the first two home runs of the series. Larry Doby 
in the third inning and Marv Rickert for the Braves in the seventh. Both with none on. Two and two. Here it is. Foul tip. Foul ball. The roar of the crowd was premature. I think some of them from their seat locations probably thought that the ball had never passed Jim Hegan's glove, but it went all the way back to the screen. So Sal Kell got a life. Three catchers are warming up. Three pitchers for Cleveland. Gene Bearden, Russ Christopher, and Ed Kleiman. The latter two right-handers. And Bill Voisel is still hopefully warming up in the Boston bullpen. The outfield deepens itself a little to the right. Here it comes. Ball three, low inside. And here's the payoff. Coming up. Three and two, two men out. As this little touch of drama enables Gromek and the Braves to play it out, to play out the string in the ninth inning of the fourth World Series game of 1948. The windup, the pitch, there's a drive to right field, and it goes right to Kennedy. Sawkell's line drive for the final out. And Cleveland is the winner by a score of 2-1. to one. For Cleveland, two runs, five hits, no errors, two men left. For Boston, one run, seven hits, no errors, and six men left. So today, by a twist of fate, Johnny Sane pitched a five-hitter atop his four-hitter on opening day, but this one he lost. As Cleveland got to him fast, and the margin was Larry Doby's home run. But here to tell you about today's activity in further detail is Mel Allen. Before what may turn out to be the largest crowd ever to witness a World Series game, they have not yet counted the house. And so at the moment, it is sheer speculation. But it has been estimated at approximately 80,000 and is expected perhaps to be the largest crowd ever to watch a World Series game and may even pass the record Major League Baseball crowd of 82,781 which the Cleveland Indians set here at Municipal Stadium on June 20th. However, we will not be able to know about that a little bit later since they have not been able to count the turnstiles as yet. The game itself took an hour and 31 minutes to play and this series so far has been one in which the games, for the most part, have been played in rapid fashion. The record, of course, for the shortest uh, World Series game from the standpoint of time is an hour and 25 minutes, which was set back in 1908. Today, it was the same old story. Pitching for dominating. It happened uh, on opening day that Johnny Sane beat Bobby Feller one to nothing as Sane let the Indians have four hits while Bobby Feller lost a two-hitter. Now today, the shoe was somewhat on the other foot. Johnny Sane pitched a five-hitter while uh, Steve Gromek pitched a seven-hitter. And Sane lost by one run, two to one. This, incidentally, was the first errorless game in the series, if you like your statistics hot off the griddle. 
It has been a series that most uh, veteran baseball observers have described as lacking in uh, real excitement and real color due to the fact that these pitchers have really been bearing down and have given the hitters very little to swing at. But today, too, was interesting, uh, apart from the other games, in that we had the first two home runs of the World Series. The extra base hit output had been limited to doubles, and very few of those, two for the uh, Boston Braves and three for the Cleveland Indians. Five extra base hits, all that we had until today, when Larry Doby broke the ice by slamming one over the right center field fence, and then Marv Rickard became the first Brave to hit a home run in the series. Of course, it's always easy to sit before a microphone and put your finger on any one thing and blame anybody for anything. But Bob Elliott might be blamed, in a sense, for the Braves' inability to win today's ball game. He had a couple of chances. He couldn't come through. It wasn't because he wasn't trying. Bob Elliott drove in 100 runs during the course of the regular season. But Elliott came up in the first inning, for example, with Earl Torgerson on second base. He came up again in the sixth inning with Torgerson on first base and hit into a double play. In the first inning, he fouled out. He came up again in the eighth inning with Torgerson on second base and popped out. There were chances there for Elliott to drive in a run that would have at least tied the situation. The Braves had several scoring opportunities, not too many, but they had several. They had the one in the first inning when Torgerson doubled. They had one in the third inning when Stanky opened with a single to sacrifice the second by Sane, but neither Holmes nor Dark could help him along. And then in the fourth inning with a two-down Rickard single, but Mike McCormick hit into a forced play. Sane single with two outs in the fifth, and Holmes ended the inning. Elliott hit into a double play in the sixth with Torgerson on first and one out. And then in the seventh inning, it looked as if the Braves might finally arouse themselves from their hitting lethargy when Rickard opened with a home run over the right field fence. That was followed by a single off the bat of Mike McCormick, and it looked as if the Braves might have themselves a pretty good inning. But Steve Gromack was more than equal to the task and eliminated Macy, Stanky, and Sane. Then in the eighth inning with two down, Torgerson doubled the left, but Elliott popped out at the mound on a play that could easily have tied the score since Kenny Keltner and Jim Hegan almost collided and did brush against one another at the mound, but Hegan managed to hold on to the ball. Torgus, in the meantime, had crossed home plate and had that ball dropped, we would have had a tie ball game. The thrill of the ball game, too, was in the ninth inning when Steve Gromek, leading by one run, bore down to strike out Rickard. Mike McCormick and almost had uh, Bill Salkel struck out, but uh, on a 3-2 uh, count, he fouled the ball off. It was in the first inning that the Indians got the lead run. Dale Mitchell led off of the single, was advanced to second by Doby's infield out, and scored on Lou Boudreaux's double into the right field corner. Lou tried to stretch it into a triple. He was out at third on a very fine play, Holmes to Dark to Elliott, and that precipitated quite an argument between Lou Boudreaux and umpire Bill Stewart, who in this series has had the misfortune of having to call several close plays, all of, all of them uh, being decided against the Cleveland Indians. And, of course, he's taken quite a rassing from the crowd. But you've got to admire the men in blue. They call them as they see them. And even though he had called several close ones against the Indians before, that's the way Bill Stewart saw it again, and that's just the way he called it. The Indians got their second run in the third inning when Larry Doby 
with two down, blasted one over the right center field screen. So it's just a case of tight ball games. It was one to nothing Boston opening day, four to one Cleveland second game, two to nothing Cleveland in the third game, and but for the home run by Marv Rickett, the Braves would not have been able to score a run since the first inning of the second game of the series. But tomorrow's another day. It's going to be Bob Feller going against Warren Spahn with Bobby Feller seeking his first World Series triumph and with the Indians hoping to wind up the 1948 series with their fourth consecutive win. But on the other hand, Warren Spahn and his uh, left-handed slants might be too much for the Indians, and we still are hopeful of seeing both, or at least one of the two teams, break out offensively with a lot of uh, hitting fireworks. Remember, broadcast time tomorrow for the fifth game in this great series is 12.45 Eastern Standard Time, same as today. Plan to be with us, fans, and we'll have fun. Until then, smooth sailing, smooth shaving, and good afternoon from your host, the Gillette Safety Razor Company, Jim Britt, and yours truly, Mel Allen. Recorded highlights of today's World Series game will be presented by Stan Lomax over WOR at half past 11 tonight. We wish to thank the Atlantic Refining Company, sponsors of the Yale-Columbia football game, which follows, for delaying their broadcast time this afternoon in order that you might hear today's World Series game just concluded. Stan Lomax and the football roundup will be heard following the football game. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System.